Hello, and welcome to the Christian Information Podcast. I'm Raven, and I'm here with Andrew, one of our pastors from Providence Church. The goal of this podcast is to form disciples to live all of life with the presence of God. And we do this through conversations about theology, culture, and stories. Today, we're discussing Bible translations. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Christian Formation Podcast. It's back to normal. Wait, did I leave the last one? Well, you led two weeks ago before Sydney joined us last week. I know. Well, you've got it down so well. I couldn't step in and try to do it for you. Well, but you're leading the Knowing God podcast. You have that all. It's only you, too. So does that feel weird? It feels different, for sure. It feels more... I mean, this feels obviously more like a conversation and normal. That feels much more like teaching something yeah and so it just it's just a whole different like vibe i think right have you listened to them once they're published uh just a couple i try not to why i don't usually listen to these afterwards but these would even be better because it's a conversation right the other one is just like me learning from me and it just feels <laughs> weird just hearing yeah. myself talk to myself it was funny i, I was know. listening to it on monday and it is very pastoral like i feel like you're sitting next to the person talking to the person and i'm like that would be interesting to feel like you're kind of pastoring yourself would you want to do that (laughs) and listen to yourself no i don't think i mean i think i would i would be editing it so i'd be listening to it you know but like after like it's released it's there would you say i'm gonna go listen to this for 10 minutes i mean it kind of depends though like with these for a while i would used to re-listen to all of them but that was kind of so i could like learn and grow i wasn't actually listening for like the content necessarily yeah it is helpful just to hear it again, just as you're trying to like get better and stuff. But yeah, I don't think ongoing, it just feels too weird. <laughs> I don't know. I don't like it. Right. Well, if you're wondering what's the Knowing God podcast, that is a podcast that Andrew put out, what, has it been a month now? Yeah. Did we start in April? Or? I think so. I think it was April. Okay. So we've done almost 20 episodes as of this time that we're recording this. Yeah. And they come out Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, and they walk you through Colossians right now. Are you on Colossians verse Still on Colossians 1. Okay. I'm recording ones in the great section of Colossians 1, 15 through 20, which has been fun and worshipful for my own heart as I'm Mm. like looking at those verses. So I, I hope they're fruitful. People should check it out yeah and it will be good for you to just listen to and kind of chew on it's only 10 minutes so it's really quick and easy part to listen to whether you're folding laundry whether you're on your way home from work because hopefully on your way to work you're listening to this podcast it does feel weird to like promote another one but it's all part of our church i know it is very different because we talked about that like okay do we need another podcast you know coming from our church but it is just so different where this is a conversation about different issues, things that people in our church are wrestling with. Like today, we're going to get into a question that somebody had where that one really is. It's short. It's meant for people, especially if you don't have a good rhythm of reading the Bible, to just have a few times where we hope that you're somewhat actively engaged. So you're thinking about it. And usually there's some sort of like challenge or something to like, okay, I can take this away from this morning. But also it's a little bit more passive. You're not sitting down and trying to study it and figure out what does this verse mean, you know, on your own. So it's kind of a guided, active learning space. And like you said, they're short. And so Mm -hmm. it has been fun to actually hear some people that have said it has helped them kind of get into the routine of thinking about God more, or at least starting if they're not already reading their Bibles at the beginning of the day to just kind of like kickstart that process Mm -hmm. now, or hopefully give them 
a little bit of a love for doing it themselves, even outside of those three times a week. Yeah, I've heard great feedback from it as well. And even if you have a rhythm of listening to this every Wednesday, then you could listen to the Knowing God podcast on Monday, Thursday, and Friday. I mean, there's so much flexibility with it too, which is really nice. So go check that out if you are interested. You can head to providenceomaha.org to listen. But today we are going to talk about Bible translations. Why do we have so many and how do we interact with them? And the person who actually asked this question asked four or five questions with it, which was really helpful because it kind of helped form what we're going to talk about this One question that morning. was like five questions. <laughs> right. We'll see how many of those we can get to. Yes, I love it. So yeah, her first question was just, why do we have different Bible translations in the first place? Maybe, Raven, can you explain quick, for somebody who's maybe new to Christianity, what exactly are we talking about when we say a translation of the Bible? Yeah, good question. The Old Testament was written in mostly Hebrew, but also a little bit of Aramaic, and the New Testament was written in Greek. And as time went on, it was translated into English. But within our English translation of the Bible, we have different translations or variations. Right. So if, you know, so you know Spanish. So Mm -hmm. if you're translating for somebody, so for me, I don't know Spanish. So if there's a Spanish speaker, they say a sentence and you are taking that sentence and in your mind, you're translating it into an English sentence that I can understand, which is essentially what we have to do with the Bible. So again, I don't know if that's common knowledge for everybody listening, but the Bible was written, like you said, in Hebrew and Greek. And so Anything that's not Hebrew and Greek is a translation Mm -hmm. of the Bible. What we're talking about, what most people ask about is then, why in English do we have all these different translations? So there's all these different, you might see like an ESV or an NIV or an NLT or a CSB. If you see those letters on the Bible, that's all different types of translations. So they're all going back to the original text, the Hebrew and Greek, like original as it was written. But then we have to do the work around the world in any language that wants the Bible that can't read Hebrew or Greek. Mm -hmm. They have to translate that into their own language. Yeah. Normally, the grammatical structure looks a little bit different than English. For instance, in Spanish, if I want to say the red house, I'll say la casa roja. However, if you translate that perfectly into English, it would read the house red. So with any basic translation, you have to make sure the words make sense in our English language because they're a little bit different grammatically in another language. So instead of translating it and saying, oh, yeah, the house red, we would actually say the red house because we know that the grammatical structures are a little bit different. And that's how it would make sense in both our language and theirs. Because different languages have different like grammatical structures. So you're making that translation. What about, is there a word in Spanish that could be translated a few different ways in English that you might pick a couple different English words, they get it the same meaning, but maybe there's not like a one-to-one, it's always going to mean this in English? Yeah, I can't think of any off the top of my head where one Spanish word means two or three different English words that are all similar to each other. But there are words in Spanish that have multiple definitions. But for someone who's learning English, if they want to say the word again, it would be a lot different because in their language, in Spanish, otra vez, de nuevo, or volver a plus infinitivo, like all of those are a different kind of form of again, whether it's again with repetition or anything like that. So that's kind of an example where in Spanish, that would be three different words, but in English, it just means one word. So I guess that kind of gets at your original question But there are also a lot of Spanish idioms or saying like, you know, Juan y María son como uña y mugre. 
the literal meaning of that is Juan and Maria are like nails and dirt. But the actual meaning is they are so close and that they do everything together. They're like nails and dirt. So it's just there's different things in different languages that the literal translation looks a lot different than the actual meaning as well. Right. So what's helpful about those examples is you're showing the grammar is not the exact same. The even as we think about English, what's translated, you know, in England and what's translated in America, there's little nuances to the English language. So it's really hard to do the translating work because you are you're doing all of that stuff at once. Mm-hmm. You're finding what word best captures this. If we have three different English words that kind of get to that word, but there's not one, you're having to pick that, and you're having to switch some of the grammar a little bit. So it's mm-hmm. hard work to take some a whole you know, book or a collection of books, move them into another language. And then, like you said, um, there's different like idioms and phrases that um, the Jewish people would have used that if you say that exact phrase, that makes no sense in our mind because that's a common phrase that they would use that we don't use. So you can translate that word for word and it's not gonna make any sense to us Mm -mm. or you can try to translate it to give it some meaning. But that's why we have all these different translations simply at the core because it's hard work to do that as you translate anything into another language with its own grammar, cultural idiosyncrasies, idioms, like all those type of things. That's all the work that's going into actually moving a text from one language to another. Yeah. Well, even if you think about the words that we say today, so someone might say, hey, you seem a little salty today. We know, well, most of us might know that that means... <laughs> Don't assume our listeners. Right, exactly. But most. most of us might know that that means, oh, you're like a little bitter and kind of punchy today. Like, what's wrong? Why are you bitter with me? If someone else heard that and you translated it literally, you might think, okay, wait, so that person is actually like they have salt on them or like, what do they mean by that? And I just feel like, yeah, that day and in that culture, especially if you look at scripture, there might be translations that just don't quite make sense in today's understanding. And so that's where you get into a different type of translation that gives you more of the general idea or meaning rather than the actual specific word so that you can understand it better. Okay. So maybe explain that a little bit more because that's kind of getting to probably the next point. So we see the idea of translating, but then in our English translations, we have all these different translations and it's really a spectrum between two ways of translating. Mm -hmm. Uh, You mentioned dynamic already, but can you mention kind of the two ways of translating that the different translators have used and then how that kind of aligns then on a spectrum? Yeah. So the first one is a formal translation or more commonly called word for word translations. And that represents the word for word literalness of translating the text. So for every Hebrew, Aramaic, Greek word, there's an equal English word as best as they can. And that would be your NASB, ESV, English Standard Version, King James Version. It's going to be more word for word. Like if I say, la casa roja está allí, when you translate that, it says the red house is there. It's just a word for word translation, same amount of Spanish words for English words, translates perfectly. The other one's called thought for thought translations, which is a dynamic philosophy of translation that places a greater emphasis on giving you the meaning of a text in a readable fashion. So if you think about it like a spectrum, think about word for word being on the left side and thought for thought being on the other side, and they progressively can get more dynamic, more interpretive almost, and 
kind of at the very end, then you have that paraphrase section where it's very poetic, very flowery and looks a little bit different. But thought for thought translations, you would probably know those as NIV and NLT. And then the message would be more so paraphrasing on the end. So say the earlier sentence of La Casa Roja está ahí, the house is there. Say I'm trying to extract the meaning from that. I mean, that one's kind of difficult because it's still just a normal sentence. I mean, you would probably still translate it as the house is there. But if you picture it more in like a flowery way, say it's supposed to be an illusion of heaven, it would be, yeah, heaven is there and waiting for us or something like that. Probably not even that much. That's even more interpretive. But it just kind of goes to show that you're extracting the meaning, not the actual word for word sentence. Yeah, which I think that is really helpful to see the spectrum or understand it's not just different kind of versions of certain people just like these words more. It really is. You mentioned the idea of a philosophy behind translating. So there is a philosophy that would say, we want to give people as clear of a word for word, direct translation as possible. Now, to be fair, that's still actually not fully true. So when you're reading the ESV or the NASB, still don't think that you're reading a one-for-one because, again, translating just doesn't work that way. So they are doing that philosophy as best they can, but they're still making some interpretive, how do we take this phrase and give it English words and put it into our context? So they do less interpreting, so they change things less than others will do because they're trying to go as close to word-for-word, which is why if you read the ESV Mm -hmm. or, again, NASB, and you think, man, some of these words, I I just don't even know what that word means. Right. It's hard to follow it sometimes. That's because they're trying to give you as direct and as close of a word for word as possible to the original text. The other side, the thought for thought, like you're saying, you'll commonly notice those are easier to read. They'll feel like, oh, this is a little bit more in common language. And that's the benefit of that is that it's a philosophy saying we're going to try to take some of the meaning and give you the thought for thought where it's not quite as direct to the actual original language and text. Mm -hmm. The con to that side is that you are in some ways banking on those interpreters, that group of people to give you the right interpretation or the right thought for thought. The ESV is still interpreting to some extent. The NIV and NLT are just doing more of that. So it's easier to read, which is the blessing. It's more interpretation, which is the thing you need to be aware of, where then you mentioned the the message, which really, you mentioned the idea of paraphrase. It really is. Like when we view the message, I don't think we have to demonize it as this horrible thing. We do need to be aware that it's not really a direct translation. It's a paraphrase of the ideas of that passage. So we just need to be clear that when you're reading the message, you're not really reading even a thought for thought, direct, like here's what the Greek says and here's what the English says. It's really a paraphrase to help you understand meaning more than it is, here's what the text is actually saying Mm -hmm. to you. So I think it's helpful not to demonize any of those. They just have different philosophies to help Christians in different ways understand the text. Right, yeah. And before we continue any further, we just want to say that we don't want you to take a step back from this and think, oh my word, I can't trust my Bible or the Bible that I've been reading has been wrong or anything like that. We want you to be able to say, okay, I know what I am reading and why it's written the way it's written and how to actually interpret it. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it helps because it does. So if you're reading the you know NIV or NLT, 
it's good for you to be aware. Okay, this is a thought for thought. It's helping me understand it more. And especially if you're a new Christian, you're trying to get mm-hmm. your mind around Christianity. That's great. But just be aware that there's, you know, this is a little bit more interpretive. If you're reading the ESV or NASB, be aware that it's going to be a little bit trickier, but you are getting a little bit clear of a direct translation. So I don't think either is necessarily bad at all. And I think, yeah, you can have confidence in all of them. It's just being aware of what each one is doing that yeah. I think helps you as you're reading it. Right, completely. And I think that goes into the next question well of, is there a benefit to reading different translations? And this person had said, you know, I don't really like switching up translations unless I'm in a deep study. Is that faulty or would you encourage this? Personally, I think it's good to read different translations. I was telling Andrew before this that I normally read ESV, but I have an NIV study Bible that I love. And so if I'm reading the ESV and I'm getting confused or it's just not clicking that morning, I'll read the NIV and kind of go through my study Bible because it is more thought for thought. It flows well. It kind of like connects the dots for me, whereas sometimes ESV I'm thinking, why is it saying it that way? Like, I don't really get that. And the NIV does give a little bit more clarity to me sometimes. And that's good for me to supplement that to my reading in the ESV. But what would you say? What are your thoughts? I think there is benefits to it. Exactly what you said. It can help give you a more full picture of it. You know, if I normally read the NIV, I'm going to maybe sometimes look at the NASB or the ESV to see a little bit more direct what exactly is it saying there or vice versa. If you usually read the ESV, like you mentioned, sometimes it's helpful to read the NLT or something, or even like even when I'm prepping sermons, sometimes I'll read the message to see, you know, there's a guy, Eugene Peterson, who's the lead editor on that, who wrote it. It's just helpful to see how did he understand this passage Mm -hmm. as I'm reading a whole you know, section or a whole chapter. I'm not banking on those words being a direct translation, but it's helpful to get kind of the meaning. Same thing with like the NLT. It's just helpful to understand, oh, that's a clear way of saying it, these phrases or words that I just read in the ESV. So I think it can be helpful. The one thing I would say that's helpful about mostly sticking to the same translation is that for memorizing, Mm. it's just each one will have a common language and a common flow of thought because they will start translating the same words, the same ways, where if you are switching to three different translations, the wording's going to be different. And I think it's going to be harder for you to memorize. Hmm. And I know that we don't talk about memorizing scripture a lot, like at Providence or on this podcast, probably. It is very, very helpful. And, and we should, and we probably should talk about memorizing scripture yeah. more. And if you read the same translation and you're reading the same verses, you know, over the course of a couple decades in the same translation, those words are going to stick in your mind. And I think that's really, really good. So mm-hmm. if you're reading three different translations, you might get confused and kind of jumbled up. I think for that, it's helpful. But just understanding a text, I think it can be helpful to look at different ones. Every summer, we go through 10 Psalms and we have someone from our congregation memorize one of the Psalms on a Sunday morning. But we as a church normally only go through the ESV. So would you ask them to memorize something other than their normal translation? Yes. You would? But you just said it's so much harder. Yeah, it is. But it's just one. And it's because that's what we preach from at Providence. And so not just memorizing, but even scripture readers, they have other Bibles and they've asked if they could read in other ones. But since we are preaching from that one, we want that one actually read for our congregation. So it's the same words that we're going to be preaching from. So we preach from the ESV. If you would, you know, recite or just read from the NLT, the wording is going to be a decent amount different. The, the way that the sentences are structured are going to be different. 
And then if we go to preach and we're like, okay, now look at how this says this, mm-hmm. it could be totally different. And those words may not even be in other translations. So on Sundays, we do require that. Other than that, you're free to memorize whatever. Oh my goodness. Well, Maybe not the message. Maybe don't memorize the message. But <laughs> the other ones, if it's on the other spectrum, you can memorize those Yeah. Ones. Well, spoiler alert, I'm memorizing Psalm 44, which wow. is 26 verses. and That's the biggest one, I think. I know. I was just talking to somebody about that. I did it so that people wouldn't have to commit to a longer one. I just figured people probably don't want to memorize a long one, so I should do it and I'm just going to do it. But it has been so hard to memorize because it is so different. And like, it just, yeah, it's just so different. Like I'm even thinking about it right now and just the structure of it, what it's saying, it's like a literal word for word thing. And so sometimes I have to put in my own like filler words so that I have it make sense to me. But Which brings up a question. Why do we do the ESV at Providence on Sundays? That's a great question. We've actually never talked about this as a staff team. So why do you think we do it? (laughs) I think that we do it because it is the closest to the word for word translation of the Old Testament and the New Testament. And I think that's helpful for us as a church because it's actually just looking at the text in plain view and saying, okay, how can we dig into this deeper and figure out what was the time period like? What is God saying through this? Not that we're trying to create our own interpretation, but I think it just gives us more of a framework of being as true to scripture as we can. That's great. Okay, wait, what is it? That's helpful. Is it? It's not that. He just yeah, said that's helpful. That. Yeah, that's but helpful for people. If it was think. right, you would have said, bingo. And you did Bingo, it. you nailed it. <laughs> Whatever. So what is it? <laughs> that's right. Wait, are you serious? Yeah. I. Th- oh, yeah. great. We wanted to pick a translation that was as clear word for word as possible. And then we view it as our responsibility as preachers to help explain that. Yeah. So basically giving the, the ESV... It's a little bit more readable than like the NASB, so it's a little bit more helpful, but it's pretty direct with the word for word. And so we like that because it's giving people who don't know Hebrew and Greek a close translation to what those words are saying. Mm. And then it's our responsibility as preachers to help people understand that, grasp that, and see it, like you said, kind of just see it plainly as they read through it. Have you had any pushback from that? We haven't really had any pushback. Uh, We have had some questions about it or some questions specifically on why we don't use a more readable translation like an NIV or NLT. And I don't think preaching from those are necessarily wrong. Like, I don't think it's sin to do anything else. We just hold the value of having it be as direct as possible. If other churches, you know, preach from the NIV, I think that's totally fine. And they probably have a reason for that. And that's great for us. We have a decent number of people in our church that are either newer Christians taking their faith seriously for the first time, kind of learning this. We want to give them as direct of the scripture as we can and then help guide them along of how they should ask questions of that and figure things out and see Christ and all of scripture. So that's why we chose the ESV, but I don't think that's what every single church should always do. Which I feel like you're doing that equipping and teaching in the Knowing God podcast by taking them verse by verse through an ESV Bible, right? Isn't that mostly what you're using? Yes, ESV. So I feel like that's helpful because I do think it's a little bit difficult if you are a newer Christian to read through the ESV, unless your brain kind of thinks that way. I know for me, that was not the case. So it's been a while for me to get used to the ESV just because I didn't ever grow up with the ESV translation. And I didn't grow up with the King James 
translation. It was always NIV. Which again, I should say on that point, we don't view it as like wrong for people in our church to read other translations on their own. So I don't want to say because we preach from the ESV on Sundays, I think there is a benefit to reading for yourself in the ESV, because that's what you're going to consistently hear. If Lord willing, you're at Providence for decades, you're going to hear that preached most likely, unless we make a big change Mm -hmm. in the ESV. I think it can be helpful to read that on your own. So I do think there's some benefit to that. But if you're reading NIV and like, oh no, is the staff going to shame me if I, if it's found out like, no, you read what's helpful for you. And if that, you know, whatever version is most helpful for you, that's awesome. I mm-hmm. do think there's some benefit to doing the ESV, but none of us are going to be like looking down on anybody because they read the CSB or NIV or NASB or King James or anything like that. Whatever's helpful for you to engage with the Lord, you do that. We have our reasons for when we teach and stuff, you know, on a Sunday morning or like on a podcast, we use the ESV because we just value that, but we don't judge anybody for doing anything else, whether church-wise or people in our church on their own time. Right, which I think is a really helpful note because churches, people can get really flustered over different translations and think, well, this one's the best. Oh, you need to read this one. But at the end of the day, we just love that you're reading God's word. Yeah. Although I will say one article that I was reading was talking about the Jehovah's Witness Bible. And in one of the verses, now I'm blanking on where it is, but it said, in the beginning, the word was a God not in the beginning, the word was God. And something like that does show you that the deity of Christ is in question. And if you find that in your translation, that's not okay. And that would be something we would tell you to steer clear from. But we do want to say that, yeah, it's good that we're just, we're glad you're reading your Bible. Yeah, which in that too, I think is helpful that you're in a community of people. So if you've got a translation, you're like, I wonder if this is like helpful and good ask somebody in your city group or come talk to one of us or shoot us an email, something, and you can ask and we'd love to help like guide that. Because there are some translations that are unhelpful and they've strayed pretty far from the actual text. A lot of them are really good and trustworthy. Again, if you've got any of the main ones, ESV, CSB, NASB, NIV, NLT, like any of those, those are going to be good. So you're good. But if you have any questions on that, that'd be good. The other note that I would say on that with the You mentioned people getting hung up on this or frustrated about this. In John 5, Jesus is talking to the Pharisees and he says, hey, you think that just in the scriptures alone is where you find life. But he says, you've actually missed that they were pointing to me. So he said, Mm. you're looking just to the scriptures and you're getting all hung up thinking this is what it's all about. But that's only what it's all about if they're pointing to Christ. So when we're thinking about translations... I don't want us to get too hung up on like, shoot, should I be reading the NIV or the ESV? Like there's some good discussion there and you can do it. But you just mentioned like, as long as you're seeing Christ and you're like being pointed to Christ, that's what the scriptures are for. So there's some that are maybe more helpful or less helpful, but that's the goal. So we don't want to get too hung up or say, well, a church is not a healthy church if they're preaching from a version that's Mm -hmm. not the ESV. No, if they're getting from the Bible to seeing Christ, that's what the scriptures are for. So I think that's a helpful just know, like not to get too hung up on this. It's good to ask some questions and think through it. But the main point is that we're knowing God through seeing Christ in whatever scripture passage we're looking at. Thank you for joining us today. The goal of the Christian Formation Podcast is to form disciples who live all of life with the presence of God. And we do this through conversations about theology, culture, and stories. If you want to find out more about us, check us out at ProvidenceOmaha.org. If you have podcast topics, comments, or questions, please email us at formation at ProvidenceOmaha.org. We'll see you next week.